Uh, we're continuing in our message series in the book of Acts. Um, unstoppable, right? God is unstoppable as he's building his church, and we see it in the book of Acts. A lot of times you hear it called the Acts of the Apostles. But really, it's the Acts of God uh, building his church through the apostles, through the early uh, followers of Christ. And so, um, you know, when I was uh, in Bible college, I served a church in South Alabama, uh, uh, right in the southern, southeasternmost corner, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida right there. And um, I was a worship pastor there, and a, my pastor was named, uh, his name was Buddy Hood, and he was hardcore South Alabama, born and raised. And, but he helped me so much. He ministered to me and, and taught me uh, so much in the ministry. But he used to have a saying that he would uh, tell me every now and then, I'd be struggling with God's will and what's the next step and what am I supposed to do and all these other things. And he, he said this thing. He said, you know, a moving tractor is easier to steer. And if you've ever tried to drive a tractor, um, I don't think I have, but uh, even a car or a truck is like, if it's, if it's still, it's hard to move. But when it's, you get it? I get it. Uh, so it's easier when it's moving. And, um, you know, as a Christian, the Christian life, uh, that's true in the Christian walk and following Christ. We're called to go. Not at specific times. We're called to be going, right? As the Holy Spirit steers us. As we take steps of faith, he says to be going. And so what does that mean for your life and for my life? And uh, in our passage of scripture uh, this morning, that's what I want to focus on. And I'll be reading from Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're at verse 26, and I'll read 26 through 40. It'll be up here if you have a copy of God's word or on your device. Uh, you're welcome to use that. I'll be reading from the ESV. And so in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. Been there. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And they came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's intended 
for us this morning. Lord, you're speaking. Holy Spirit, speak. Wake us from our slumber in Christ's name. Amen. So this is an important passage of Scripture as we walk through the book of Acts. Uh, important in the life of the early church, right? Because we see in Philip the fulfillment of the call of Jesus to go. The church had been in Jerusalem waiting on the Holy Spirit. Remember in chapter 1, Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And so we see the beginnings of the church beginning to gather together, meeting each other's needs, learning the teachings of the apostles. They selected uh, some, some men to serve as deacons serving uh, tables. And Philip was one of those. And we saw Peter and John go in and out of prison. Um, and then the murder of Stephen just a chapter ago and the dispersion of the church through uh, persecution. And now we see Philip going. Just as Jesus uh, said before he ascended, he commanded his, disi his disciples, his followers to go. You remember, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. That's going. And so we see the Holy Spirit driving out the church even through persecution. At the beginning of chapter 8, it says, and the church was persecuted and dispersed. So God is fulfilling his promise, his desire for the church, even through persecution. He's driving out the church with the gospel. And so Philip was part of that. We saw in the beginning of this chapter last week that uh, he went to the to people of Samaria, right? Um, he, uh, the angel of the Lord came to him. And it's something interesting because um, you know, he went to uh, Samaria, and we see this great revival happen there. It says there was joy in all the cities, and Simon the magician, right, was asking questions, and we talked about him last week, and then Peter and John came, and they affirmed those believers. The Holy Spirit fell on those believers, and great things are happening. And then it says the angel came to, uh, to um, Philip and said, I want you to go to the desert. <laughs> what? That's not logical for like a church planner, right? If I got together with my buddies and we're having lunch and said, man, things, great things are happening. I think we're, we're going to head back to the desert. That doesn't make sense. Because, see, there were two roads from Jerusalem to Gaza right here. And the one that the angel told him to go to is the even less seldom used road. And so we see God moving in Philip. He's not finished with Philip. And we're going to see in Philip's life, it's, a, it's the, his whole life. And so he comes to this Ethiopian eunuch. A couple things about this eunuch. Just to set the stage, um, he says, it says here that he was a court official of Candace. Candace is not an individual's name. It was not Miss Candace. That's a, more of a title like Pharaoh or Caesar. And so we're not told the exact name, but we know that this position is very high in the royal Ethiopian family. And eunuchs were those men who were castrated, right? And they were castrated oftentimes to be used and to serve as highly trusted servants to the royal family, to the women, uh, the leaders, kings, wives. They were safe to guard them. And so it was a very respected position. They were right in the family. It was a well-thought-of role. And so uh, he was evidently a proselyte, right? He's from Africa, and yet he's going to Jerusalem to worship. He was a man of influence and success, being in that royal family. He had a scroll, which is not easy to come by in those days, expensive. 
He had all these things, and yet he was still searching. He was hungry. He was thirsting. The Holy Spirit was already working in his life. And what I want us to see this morning is God is doing a thing. He was doing a thing here. He's doing a thing today. He's accomplishing his purpose and his plan. He's sending the gospel out. He is still saving souls, and he is working through people, just like Philip, just like you and me. And so as I studied this passage, three things really jumped off the page in regards to what we see in Philip's life and what we can learn from that um, as to what God has called us to. How, how do we go? How do we uh, live a life that is going, is on, miss, on mission to the world around us? And the first thing I want us to see is the call is to be available. Be available, says in verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Philip heard the Holy Spirit speaking to him. See, he was possessed by Jesus Christ. I know that word is a little scary, but he, it's true. He was possessed by Christ in this relationship. He was a believer. He was saved, right? Philip was possessed by Christ, and he had responded to the call of Jesus. Remember uh, when Jesus called him? He was one of the first five disciples along with Nathan and Nathaniel and Andrew and Peter. And he had seen the risen Jesus uh, when he appeared to them. The disciples were huddled down, afraid in that room. And Jesus came and showed them the, his nail-scarred hands. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, here's a hard truth this morning. If you have no desire... To share Jesus with anyone. If you have no passion, no burden at least, then the question is, and I can't tell you the condition of your soul, but the question is, have I really come to Christ? Because when I come to Jesus, when you come to Jesus, it says he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, the person of Christ is living within me, with me. And we saw in Acts chapter 1, one of his main purposes is to empower us to be witnesses to Jesus Christ. And so as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit within us yearning to get out, constantly talking to us, pushing us. So the question is, have you settled that? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about have you come from a Christian family, any of those things. It's not just another way of living life. It's Jesus as King so that I might hear the Holy Spirit. And what that means is, I'm, real quickly this morning, it means that I have understood that you realize that you're a sinner. And I'm a sinner. I am prone to wander. I am prone to make the wrong decisions. I am fallen. I'm going to make the wrong decisions. I am going to offend God. But it's also to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and came to pay for that sin and to wipe it away. Something I could not do, something we were singing about this morning. He died and rose again that you and I might come and belief is not enough. We saw that with Simon the Magician last week. But I come to him, I believe that that is who he is and what he did, and then I confess my sin. I don't hide it. I don't keep pockets of it. I lay it down before him because I don't trust me. I trust him for every bit of it, and I lay it at the foot of the cross, and I repent. Repentance is over and over again shared in the Bible. That's what, that's what Peter and John told Simon. That's what he had not done is repent, turn from it. 
and live a new way. Set Jesus as Lord of your life. That's what it means to be saved. So I don't know where you came to uh, Christianity this morning, but if it doesn't come by the way of the cross and receiving, put your faith in what Jesus has done fully for you, then you haven't come to Christ. And so to be possessed by him, that means I'm his, right? You're his if you're a Christian this morning. Your life is no longer your own. Your life is no longer about you. It's about Jesus. And so that, that takes me to the next part, which is obsessed. I'm possessed. Philip was possessed. He was also obsessed with Jesus. Obsessed with Christ and his will. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Death. Whoa. The world today would say, hey, Paul, relax. You're being crazy. Because that's, that's not normal, right? That seems like something odd has happened to Paul. I remember not too long ago, I was in a gathering, and we were talking about this very thing, and I remember somebody said, isn't this a little much? It seems a little obsessive. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. Yes, it's obsessed with Jesus and his will for my life. Do I believe he is who he says he is? Then I believe he is working in me and through me. This is everything. Listen, people in the world today, all around you, are struggling to find meaning in life. To find peace. This is it. Jesus is it, knowing him, following him, listening to him, obeying him. I know this seems strange because I don't really see this in this story, but this is what's motivating Philip. This is what is making him going, go to the hard places even, to the Samaritans, to the desert. It's everything. He's possessed by Jesus. He obs he's obsessed. And listen, this may be a different world, a different Christianity than you have been exposed to. Maybe it's different than, you know, your family or, or, or the people that you've been around or the youth group or whatever it is. Maybe it was just modeled to you as just something you add to your life. But listen, here's what's going to happen. If, if, you, if you're living your Christian life that way, if you're not obsessed with Jesus and walking with him, here's what's going to happen eventually. You're going to come to a place where you go, you know what? Going to church just ain't enough. Reading my Bible, eh. Praying, I mean, blah, blah, blah. Give me this, give me that. Fix this, heal this. It's just not enough. Jesus is fine, but he's not enough. Listen, Jesus will not stay in your back pocket. That's not why he came. He came to be king. He came to be master of your life. He wants all of you. What are you hanging on to? What are we building our life? What, what is it? It's a house of sticks, whatever it is. Whatever plans you have, whatever dreams you have, you can fulfill them to the max in this life and get done, and it's really not much. 
People have done it before you. People are doing it today, working for those things. It's not much. And it's not going to bring peace because it's not what you were created for. You're created to pursue Christ. And as long as we try to live with one foot in the world and the pursuits of the world and the flesh and one in my Christianity, I'll never experience abundant, fulfilled joy that Jesus has for me. And by the way, one day you will stand before him and give a reason. Give a reason for that kind of life. I pray that we would be possessed by Christ this morning, obsessed with him. Be available so that you can hear the voice of the Spirit. It says in verse 29, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. Listen, my, my question this morning, do you hear the Spirit in your life? Are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit speaking? Are you listening? This is not a passive, just like, you know, the doorbell rings. This is I'm in, intentionally pursuing the voice of God. I'm making space in my life to hear. When you listen to a message on Sunday morning, do you come in hungry like, God, speak, I need you. If you don't need him, maybe you're living under your own strength. And if I don't have him, okay, I'm still going to do my thing. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. John said in Revelation 1.10, before he got that vision of heaven, he said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a tr trumpet. Listen, when you're walking in the spirit, when you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, making room to hear, he speaks like a trumpet, expecting him to speak. Do you see everything, every interaction, every circumstance and situation as an opportunity to hear from God? Because he's speaking. Are you in the word? Do you make space in your life? This is very practical. Do you pause in your day to make time for the word? Do you listen in your prayers? It takes time. It takes silence. Do I have enough time for that? So being available means I'm possessed, I'm obsessed, but it also means that I'm expecting, I'm expecting God to speak to me. I shared the story last week about the lady at the coffee shop where I was doing my work and she walked in and, and I was just busy and the door opened and she looked and she smiled at me and I was just like, oh, hey, and her eyes met mine. And then we got in a conversation and come to find out, she said, you know what, this morning, in case you missed it last week, I prayed that something unexpected would happen today. That something beautiful, even impossible. And she goes, you know what? It just happened. And I said, you know what? When you walked in the door, I thought it was kind of odd at the moment, but now I get it. You prayed that prayer this morning, and then when you came through the door, you were looking for it. Her eyes were up. She was smiling. She looked to me. She was looking around. She prayed that God would do something unexpected, and so her day was spent waiting for that, expecting God to do something. That's what God has called us to do, to expect him to speak. Live with your eyes up, fixing them on Jesus, being available. Lord, here am I. Send me. But not only available, but number two, be prepared. Be available, be prepared. It says in verse 31, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? That's what the eunuch said. And then in verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? 
And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Listen, Philip was a simple fisherman. But he knew the word of God. He spent time in the word of God. He knew the word of God in such a way that he could navigate this man's questions. It says he began with Isaiah and led him to Jesus. Most people, you think about Isaiah, that's Isaiah, and then you think about Jesus. How did you get there? He was prepared. Listen, in, our, in this neighborhood, in, in this city, people are experts in what, they're, what they know. They want, they, they're experts at their career, what they read, they're authors, they'll quote authors, they'll quote whatever all the time, philosophers. They're experts. We're called to be experts in knowing Christ. He's our king, right? He's our master. And people in this city, I found, are experts at refuting Christianity. They've had just enough of Christians, and they've, saw, they've seen just enough that they're pretty good at knifing their way through any, any debate you want to have with them about Christianity. So what does that mean? We just stand back and go, well, they're just going to hell then. No! Get in the Word. Get a book that tells me. You know, in our discipleship groups this past couple years, we've gone through a couple different books trying to um, equip ourselves for those conversations. We went through God's Big Picture, which talks about how all of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, is pointing to Jesus. We went through Don't Lose Your Faith. It talks about sexuality, gender, social justice, internet, all politics, all those things. How do we navigate that and point to Jesus without just saying, well, the Bible says it's, that's great. We need to know what the Bible says, but we need to be able to engage. It says he started right where he was at and led him to Jesus. Not just throwing words, I mean, uh, verses out. Be a student of the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Listen, a lot of us have scriptures, like little puzzle pieces in our pockets, just different ones, but we've never really put them together. We don't know it in such a way that we can lead others to Christ with a full picture the more you know the word, the more confident you are. And listen, when somebody walks around just kind of hammering people with the Bible, what that tells me is they're not really comfortable with the Bible. Because <laughs> if you know it and you're comfortable with it, you can have a conversation with someone. And you can, you can navigate through that conversation with confidence, knowing that the Spirit of God is moving, knowing the word of God. So Philip started with Isaiah, common ground, and led him to Jesus. Be a student of the Bible, but be a student of Jesus. That goes back to this obsessed idea. Know Jesus and walk with him. Pay attention to that relationship. Grow in that relationship. And as you grow in your faith in Christ and you understand his teachings, then you're more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You begin to grow in your sensitivity to hearing the voice of God. And listen, this is what I've learned. I've tried to make excuses for myself and for others over and over again about being in the Word, knowing the Word. We do what we want to do, period. If you're not in the Word of God, you don't want to be in the Word of God. That's it. I know you may have a pocket full of excuses. You're like, no, you don't know this, this. No, we do what we want to do. You're going to do it today. 
either we don't believe it or we we just have, have turned our attention off of God and onto ourselves and onto this world. This morning, pray, God, change my want to. Give me a hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're not hiding it from God. He knows where my heart is. Just be honest. I just don't, I just don't desire it, God. Give me that desire to know your word. Be prepared. Make yourself available. And finally, be obedient. Verse 30, it says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Can you just, I could just see Philip. The, the angel said, go to the desert. And he's walking in the desert. And he's like, man, there's nothing going to happen. And then he sees the guy reading the Bible. He says, this is it. This is it. This is what I'm here for. It says he ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. It was, um, it was normal back then to read, read out loud. Um, he wasn't in some of the coffee shops I, I go to. They would run me out. Uh, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And then in verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this, this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Listen, this is where the rubber hits the road for a lot of us in obedience. We love to talk to one another about Jesus. We have great theological, doctrinal debates and conversations. But when we go out there, it's tough. It is. Because it's a wave. It's a tide going the opposite way. You know, sometimes people uh, quote uh, this quote from St. Francis of Assisi when in all actuality it's not. We have no proof that it was him, but that's who gets the credit. It says, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Of course it's necessary to use words. But that has become very popular. Why? Because it feels better just to say, I just live a certain way and that's preaching. That's sharing the gospel. It's not. It's important. We talk about living such a way that's questionable. But it's not enough. Why don't we? Well, we don't want to offend. We don't want to be unliked. We don't want people at work going, guess who's here? I don't think I can say the right thing. Maybe I'm not confident. But see, all these excuses are based on me, on my own protecting myself. I'm going to be limited in the life that I lead, the miracles that I see God do, the abundance that I walk in, because I'm going to keep control of every area of my life. I'm going to keep that. And as long as I do that, I will not see God moving in miraculous ways through me and around me. God is already working in the people that you work next to, live next to. He's already dealing with them. We see that in this eunuch. And it's important for us to engage in these conversations. Not to panic. It's a God thing. No sense of pass or fail. That's a God thing. Our call is to go and to be obedient. Because it's not us they're resisting. Remember what Stephen said in his last message before he got stoned? Um, he said to the people, he said, you always resist the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Like I said last week, I'll give you my best shot on Sunday morning. But when you walk out, you're not, you're not resisting me. You're resisting the Holy Spirit when you hear the word of God. And the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. There's no panic. It's God moving. We have a lot of excuses. Not now. Not here. Not me. That was me at the coffee shop. I told you that story last week. I was studying. I had my ear things in. And I didn't... She was like, what are you doing? Uh, studying. What's the message? Here, here. I got some. What is the message? It's uh, about God, how he loves us. <laughs> It took a lot to break me out of that mode, 
right? We're talking about eternity here. What are we holding on to? And how does that measure up in light of our Savior hanging on the cross for the sins of man to reach the broken, hurting, guilty, shameful, lost people all around us, and yet we're just, maybe they'll find out another way. Whatever we're holding on to is not worth it. So here's some help. You can be confident this morning. You can be confident because you are in supernatural hands. Belonging to Jesus, you are in the sovereign, mighty, all-powerful hand of God Almighty. And salvation is completely up to Him. It's a supernatural thing. He is drawing and pursuing people all around you by His Spirit. You have the promise that God's Word will not return void in Isaiah. You have the promise that God is working. Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. God is doing a thing. He just calls us to be obedient. The Holy Spirit works through people. This Ethiopian was lost. He had a scroll. He had just gone to worship, but he didn't know what he was reading. This passage that he was reading was one that was confusing everybody of that day. Somebody, some people thought this Isaiah 53 passage was talking about um, Israel itself as the suffering servant. Others thought uh, Isaiah was just writing about himself. And then others, there were those that saw this as a, as a pointing to the Messiah, but they resisted it because they didn't, they didn't like to think about the Messiah being crucified, being killed and, and harmed that way. But God sent Philip to explain. All of that was going on in this guy's head. He was prepared. He was ready. Listen, the guy at your work, he thinks, he probably thinks he knows about Christianity. He thinks he's got Christians summed up. And he's probably got some messy stories too that we have to cop to. I don't know if that's the right word. We've got to admit where we failed. Like the man who went off John, I've told you all about, I went off in the cafe to me about how Christians do this, A, B, C, D, and E. And I could have spent all day trying to defend those things. Instead, I said, well, let me just tell you, we follow Jesus, and this is who Jesus is. And I can't, if people, if we don't live in accordance with Jesus' life, then you, can, you have every reason to question whether or not we belong to Jesus. God has sent you to untangle what's in that guy's heart and mind. We have to be willing to do that. See, what we've done is we've defaulted. Either we are so, either we so get their point of view and we're like, yeah, the church is garbage. Yeah, that's right. And we just, we become useless because that's the position we take. Or we take the other position, well, you're going to hell and good riddance. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to, to empathize and have compassion as Jesus did and then walk alongside building those relationships but being ready being ready to share to help to explain like Philip did that's part of being prepared being prayerful are you praying for your co-workers your students that you go to school with the people in your hallway uh, where you live your apartment building are you praying are you in that place where you pray for them because ultimately the Holy Spirit awakens us. That's part of expecting. When I'm praying for the guy at work, when I see him, there's a little conversation going on in my head. Oh, God, you open the door and I'll say it. 
<laughs> right? That's a different way of living than just, oh man, don't bother me. Don't find out I'm a Christian for sure. I get it. I live in the same world you live in. It's walking, asking the Spirit to move, and then being bold in going. It's the Holy Spirit who is bringing people to Christ. Wrapping up here, in verse 36, it says, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? This is kind of funny to me. The eunuch kind of takes control of this whole situation, right? He said, well, how am I supposed to, are, are you, can you exp, explain this to me? Explain Isaiah to me. Hey, there's water. Why aren't I baptized? He says, he stopped the chariot. <laughs> Philip's almost like a side, a side person in this story. It's the Holy Spirit working through the obedience of Philip, changing this man's heart. I know I told you about Michael, who lives in my building. He's a great guy. He's a little intimidating, very intellectual. He started a big school of philosophy here in New York. And older gentleman, he's a playwright. He's a, a rabbi, he's a, but doesn't believe in God. Believes in a, some power. But we get in these conversations. He's quoting, you know, Tolstoy and all this stuff. And I'm just kind of like, <laughs> trying to keep up. I remember one day we were leaving and he got out of the yellow. We go take walks together and we get to have these great conversations. And he was leaving the elevator and then he stuck his arm and stopped the door and it opened back up. And he said, hey, next time we get together, I want you to explain to me why Christians say that Jesus had to die for our sins. I was like, oh, oh I got that right now. He said, nope, next time. So then we went on a walk. I got to Got to talk to him about that. The Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is convincing. He's working. Sometimes, sometimes we just miss it because we are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It says, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. A couple things here. They came up out of the water. So they went down. He, sub he submersed him in the water. They came up out of the water. And then it says, Philip was somehow supernaturally teleported away. And it says that the eunuch looked around and said, what in the world just happened? Where did he go? No, it doesn't say that. It says he went his way rejoicing because Philip was beside the point. God was working in this man's heart and life, and he was rejoicing, praising God. God has just called us to be obedient, but it is a God thing. When you're sitting around trying to plot and plan who and how too much, we take the power out of God's hands. He will do what you don't expect him to do. And like I said, it's not about going around beating people over the head with the Bible. It's about being sensitive and, and available, having that conversation with God, and be surprised what he will do. God worked through Philip. God worked in the eunuch and through the eunuch. Interestingly, the Coptic Christians, Egyptian Christians today, they're greatly persecuted in Egypt, and the Ethiopian Christian churches trace their spiritual heritage, Christianity, back to this Ethiopian official who went back Ethiopia. So in conclusion, the church was small at this point, Acts chapter 8, but it was growing. It was growing through persecution, through difficulty, through resistance by the culture. God was doing his thing in his supernatural sovereign power 
Our loving God was bringing the message of redemption and salvation to this broken, hurting, rebellious planet. And he is still doing that through you and through me. The question is, will you be available first and foremost? Are you possessed by Jesus? Are you obsessed with him? Or does that sound too much to you? And you want to just make plans for your life and get to the end of your life and say, what just happened? I built a castle on sand. Are you listening every day for the Holy Spirit? Make space in your life to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. Are you praying for your coworkers, your friends and family? Are you ready and willing to speak and allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into a conversation? Are you prepared? Do you make space to, to spend time in the Word? Pray this morning that God would change your want to, would change your desires, that you would desire to know Him and His will for your life, that you would know the Word and His will. And finally, are you being obedient? James 4.17 says this, Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And so this morning, we know that Jesus has called us to go, to be going. For us not to do that is sin. It's not like we say, hey, I'll just stay over here and that's for other people. No, that's God's desire for all of us. If we haven't been listening, if you haven't been available, you don't even know all the times the Holy Spirit has been whispering to you to say something, to go. Are you willing to step out of your comfort zone, out of your safety? We talk about building relationships, and that is critical. That's the bedrock for where all this happens typically, but it may happen just today as you walk out of this place. And stepping out in faith is not merely going as a missionary to the Middle East, or one day if someone were to hold, hold a gun to your head and say, are you a Christian or not, that I'd be willing to say yes. Obedient faith is going to that neighbor or that coworker, or family member, maybe that you see every day, or maybe that you're going to meet today, and pointing to Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. They're lost. They're broken. Jesus gave it all to reach them, and he's called you to t and I to take that message. This morning, really, my prayer for you and for me is just complete surrender, because that's where it starts, to God's will. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the good news. Thank you, Lord, that somehow in your sovereignty, somehow, supernaturally, that message came to me. And not only came to me, but pierced my hardened heart. Thank you, Lord. God, you have removed the scales from my eyes. God, this morning, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, who has not put their faith in you first and foremost for their broken, fallen sinfulness. I pray that today would be the day they would recognize that they are sinful and they cannot do anything about it except surrender it to you because you paid for it on the cross. I pray that today would be the day they do that. Even whispering a simple prayer right now, Lord, I give you my sin. I trust your sacrifice on the cross to save me. And Lord, may we all live obsessed with Jesus Christ. As Paul said, pressing on to take hold of that for which I've been taken hold of. Lord, work in our lives. 
Draw us closer to you, closer to the flame. May we not live with one foot believing the promises of the world and with Jesus in our back pocket, Lord. May we live with you as king and master. That's really the only decision that needs to be made today is will I just surrender my life? It's not will I give up this, this, and this. It's will I surrender? And then, Lord, you graciously, compassionately walk us through sanctification. You walk us through becoming more and more like Jesus. Lord, may we be obedient as we leave this place, aware that there's a lost and broken world all around us, and the answer is Jesus and Jesus alone. 